Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Premier Chelsea, your source for all things Premier League, but starting with Chelsea first. Coming to you on your speakers and headsets, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm one of your hosts today, Jackie, and I'm with my two good friends here, Rahul and Alex. Guys, it's good to be back, and you know, I think we're flying high. Alex, we predicted a 2-0 win against Lille, and we got it, so maybe we'll jump right into that. Uh, Alex, if you want to take us through the starting 11 and you know, let us know how that game played out. Yeah, so we had quite, I would say, an impressive performance against Lille, certainly uh, looking up from some of our, our past performances. Edouard Mendy uh, started in goal, and we had Christensen, Silva, and Rudiger in the back. Um, Azpilicueta and Alonso were our wingbacks with Conte and Kovacic in midfield. And then finally, we were able to see that front three that myself and you guys had been talking about last episode of Hakim Ziyech on the right, Kai Havertz up top, and Christian Pulisic on the left, back in his natural left-wing position. And it was quite effective. It was really, really effective. Rahul, we'll get into some of the fun parts of having Kai Havertz at the top. But no Lukaku, I think we actually called, called that in the last episode. Were you pleased? Were you pleasantly surprised? Uh, I was pleased. I wasn't surprised. Uh, we all expected it, and given the uh, news and all the headlines that were made of the seven touches uh, against Crystal Palace. We almost expected uh, a reaction in uh, taking him out of the limelight, even though the camera focused on him as soon as Kai Havertz scored. Uh, I think it was good for him to maybe just get a break and, and we'll, only time will tell if that was the right decision or not. But uh, from Kai's perspective, a great, great way to uh, prove Tuchel right. Absolutely. Alex, many fans have been calling for Pulisic to get into his preferred left-wing position, but none more so than you. You know, Mr. Pulisic himself, you've said he's going to be effective on the left wing. And were you happy to see him back in the starting lineup, specifically in that left-wing position? Yeah, I mean, we, we know what he can do in the left wing. We were discussing before the game that in his last two left-wing starts, he'd scored two goals. Um, but every time he was put on the left, he then had to be shipped out to wing back or even in the midfield because of the depth crisis we were having. Um, but here, finally, he gets another start at left wing. And what do you know? Bags a goal. It's just not rocket science as far as I'm concerned. Play Pulisic on the left and he will perform. In fact, I think he'll perform even better if he gets a run of games on the left and is allowed to build some form because He's been performing quite well without having consistency in any one position. Um, that left wing spot, I mean, really, uh, we were discussing uh, Hakim Ziyech having um, the right wing spot on lock until further notice, perhaps. Uh, maybe that's a bit of a debate, but he's been in great form on the right. I think Pulisic deserves to hold down that left wing position. And certainly rotation, of course, is always going to be a factor at a club as, as big as Chelsea with many competitions to play. But for me, it's, it's quite simple. He's our most talented left winger, arguably on his day, right up there with our most talented attackers. I won't, I won't give the haters a soundbite to, uh, to uh, slander anyone here, but I, on his day, Christian Pulisic is right up there in terms of his attacking ability. No, look, if you want the soundbite and you're my hater, that's fine. I think really I do agree with you on, on his day, Christian Pulisic really is one of those guys that can change a game. And we'll get into the details in a few minutes and talk about it. But Rahul, give me some, some words of encouragement about Kai Havertz here. I think in the first few minutes, he's back in strike. And how many touches did he have? I believe it was 
More than seven. In fact, <laughs> uh, Alex shared before we started the podcast that the eighth touch was the goal in itself and the eighth minute. So um didn't take him too long to find his feet and get involved. And in fact, I think even before that goal, he could have had a couple bef- uh, yeah. leading up to that. So he started off like a house on fire, wanting to prove a point. And, and that fire has been uh, in him in the last few games. We said it in the uh, World Club Cup final. We've seen it again in this game, and he just seems to be a player that's finally coming into his own and and yeah. feeling like this is my team and I got to carry them over the finish line. Yeah, Alex, at the risk of shooting myself in the foot, I think I have to echo what Rahul is saying here, and I'd like to get your opinion as well. In the last three or four games, especially when Kai Havertz is playing, whether he's been on the left, whether he's being our false nine, he really seems to have a passion behind him. I'll use the word passion, and he seems to be alive and wanting to work hard for this team what do you think has changed and do you think I have to get a consistent run in the team now? I mean, I think certainly competition does always bring out the best in players or at least those with a strong mindset. Um, I think in that sense, maybe having Lukaku here at the club and, and with his big signing, making him maybe a locked in starter in many people's minds. Now I think Chelsea fans have sort of, many of many Chelsea fans have drifted away from that mindset, having seen the performances lately. But um, I think in Tuchel's mind, the board's mind and many Chelsea fans mind, Lukaku was coming right into the starting lineup. We bought him for a hundred million. He'd come off a great season with Inter. Um, And I think for Kai Havertz, who had just ended off the season by winning us the champions league um, with a great goal, he just ended off the prior season in on that sort of high note. I think that forced him to put his head down and work and sort of regain that spot because whereas Havertz was getting a lot of minutes, but frankly wasn't getting too many goal involvements, I think for, for stretches of the season, I still think he was effective. I think this made him say, you know, look, I've got to keep working hard because now there's this player ahead of me that the board, the coach and the fans might be expecting to start ahead of me. So I think I think Kai has a great winning mindset. I think he's a hard worker. And I think he's he's been, hopefully, uh, from what we can tell, just doing everything right, keeping his head down, not complaining. And here he gets a chance. He scores. And he just won us as well, the Club World Cup, uh, coming up clutch and then scoring a penalty there. So I think I think he's coming into form exactly at the right time. I mean, no hate to Lukaku. I wish he were firing, but just as he's sort of drifted out of form, uh, dare I say, I think we do need a striker who's got that hunger and passion, and Kai seems to be providing that. Yeah, look, I think that's nicely said. And Rahul, I'll come back to you for just a minute because we have been critical of a lot of players here, as we should. They've come with big price tags and things like that. But for Kai Havertz, we have been critical. And I think, obviously, other than the Champions League final, and we talked about the, the World Club Cup final, he has started, Alex has alluded to that as well, but these couple of appearances here almost show us what we can expect long-term from Kai Havertz, or, or maybe take it back a little bit, what we paid for when we went and spent all that money to pick up Kai Havertz. I think I'll give you a couple of seconds here to praise him, because I think that's something he deserves at this point in, in time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I have to echo everything Alex said, and while he was saying that, it brought me back to when we first signed Didier Drogba mm. and that first season was slow. There was some criticism, you know, towards him. The second season, he started off well. Then we bought Shevchenko, kind of seems like we bought Lukaku here uh, for big money. But Drogba turned out to be the guy to say, 
the competition that Alex mentioned with Shevchenko, no, no, I'm going to be the one that's going to be holding this position. Similar to Kai Havertz, who obviously had to be played in and around Lukaku earlier this season. Then Lukaku gets injured. Kai Havertz takes that central position. I think, if I'm not wrong, we won five or six games without Lukaku with Havertz in that position. Then Havertz gets, I think, COVID and an injury, and that kind of derails him a little bit. But he's now coming back into his own. And one man's loss in terms of Lukaku is another man's gain in, in terms of Havertz uh, taking it and saying, I'm going to be the guy that takes this team to the Club World Cup, maybe to a trophy again this weekend. We'll get to that. Uh, but you're seeing that he's maturing and growing into one of the, the main players versus last season where we were saying, why isn't it happening? We paid all this money. We want to see it right away. It's, it's a good reminder that big money signings need some time and you can't hold that amount against them right away because a lot of things happened. He had COVID last year too. So yeah. given the time, he's coming good and I think it only gets better. And maybe in a year's time, we will be seeing how great Lukaku is turning out to be, fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, look, I'll, I'll skirt over that comment for now because <laughs> that you could be very right and in the future that could come to full fruition for us. But we go on one nail at the first half. It's a good performance. And like both of you guys have said, specifically you, Alex, is that was probably one of the best performances I've seen of Chelsea in the probably last two months, I want to say, that we controlled the game. We performed really, really well. And on paper, you you know, we all discussed this in the last episode. We should have done it. And we did do it. We go into that second half. And I think, guys, it was pretty much more of the same. There was a lot of hunger from the team overall, I think maybe Champions League, different competition. We've won it before. We're trying to get back into the swing. But Alex, I'll pause here for a second because we've praised Kai Havertz enough. We talked a little bit about Christian Pulisic, but he gets on the end of a fabulous goal. A lot of hard work from Kante, but what can you tell us about the whole situation there? Yeah, Pulisic with almost a trademark finish of his falling down as he shoots the ball. Um <laughs> Beautiful finish, nice lofted up um, a little bit and just curled into that back back right corner of the net off a great uh, little through ball pass from Conte. It, it was It's exactly what you expect from Pulisic and it, it sort of reminded me almost of that goal versus Manchester City um, back in that race for, for top four uh, when he just slotted it home past Ederson. Here he had a little more uh, to worry about, but just those those clinical composed little finishes is exactly what you want from a winger you want them to be delivering the goals um and it was it was a key goal i would say putting us two goals up um putting this game to bed and also giving us a very good lead going into the second leg i think it's exactly why Polisic needs to be played on the left wing and we discussed versus crystal palace that Lukaku just did not seem to be fitting, did not seem to be providing exactly what we needed. We all called it that 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 front three of Pulisic, Kai, and Hakim could probably do some damage. And I think uh, you, you guys were mentioning the the different competition. I think it's that's certainly something that plays a role. And I saw someone mentioning that Chelsea do sometimes tend to play better in the Champions League, and, and maybe one reason for that is the teams don't quite sit back as much as they tend to do in the prem. I think that's an interesting, uh, interesting thing to think about just because a lot of Pulisic's brightest moments during this game came on the transition um, when he was turning, running at defenders, when Conte picked up the ball, drove at defenders and slotted Pulisic in. I think there is something to be said for Chelsea being able to really dominate a game when the other team comes out to play. Um, 
I think we've just struggled with those, those low blocks in the league sometimes. And that's maybe what's led to a lot of those draws that have cost us points on the table, but this game, there were no such issues. And we really just penetrated the back line a lot. Uh, we got quite a few chances. The scoreline could have been a, could have been a bit uh, higher even, um, but this is exactly what I wanted from Christian Pulisic. And all I can say is in my eyes, and I'm sure the eyes of most Chelsea fans at this point, he's got to be a locked starter for Liverpool. Yeah, look, I would love to have Christian Pulisic get a couple of games in a row so we can see how he performs in his natural position. I think we've echoed that for multiple episodes now. Rahul, I'll come to you for a minute. Alex has done a really good job about talking Christian Pulisic, talking about the formation, talking about his preferred position. One man that I think we praise a lot, and I think he deserves a little more praise again, is N'Golo Kante. I thought his driving from deep, look, when we signed him, we always thought we were getting a defensive midfielder. I think a lot of people don't give credit to this, and I'm going to say a very controversial topic here, but Maurizio Sarri said, I don't see him as a defensive midfielder. I actually see him as a box-to-box midfielder and kind of stuck him out on the right. And since then, he really hasn't been our defensive midfielder like he was under Conte. He's been more of a box-to-box midfielder, driving with the ball, finding space, and making a, a clinical pass like he did for Pulisic. So, what can you tell me about Conte and this position that he plays now? Uh, there's, you've, you've covered it and everyone's <laughs> seen it. I mean, the, the guy can run for days. Yeah. Uh, I think this was his fourth man of the match consecutively in the Champions League, or at least in the knockout phases, which just tells you everything that he adds to, to Chelsea in this competition and beyond. Uh, and even for this goal, everything you saw, he picks it up from our own half, drives forward, drives forward, drives forward. And then to have the awareness to release it before Pulisic gets offside uh, shows you that it's it's defensive work, interceptions, and everything that really made his name. But he can do it on both sides, and he scored a couple of goals. Uh, so he's he contributes on both ends, and, and that's what you want from a box-to-box midfielder. <laughs> uh, and it's it's a great asset to have in your squad, especially when he's fit, and hopefully that continues for for a long, long time, rest of the season. Uh, because both him and Pulisic have had issues, but it's great to see them uh, staying fit and contributing to the to the side. Yeah, look, I think if we can get all of our guys fit, but those two names that you mentioned right there, if they can stay fit and be in and around the squad for the rest of the season, there's a lot more to come from this Chelsea team. That's all I'm going to say for now. But guys, we take a 2 nil lead. We're going to Lille. Alex, I'll come back to you. Are you happy with the 2 nil lead going into Lille? Yeah, I think it's difficult not to be, regardless of who the opponent is, taking a 2-0 lead into your second leg. I think any team would pretty much accept that going right into the first leg. And, I mean, maybe we could have had another goal, but that's greedy at this point. I think I think it's a Champions League night. Every team comes out to play. Lille had a couple of good chances of their own. Um, so I'm, I'm absolutely happy with that. I think... We just have to not make the fatal flaw that I, I don't see Chelsea making it maybe as often as other teams, but that that fatal flaw of not coming out with intensity and coming out almost to protect the lead. Right. I feel like we just have to play exactly like we did in this first leg, all the more so because Lille presumably are going to be forced to come out and attack us. Um, especially at home in front of the home fans, they're not going to be able to or wanting to sit back and absorb pressure all game. So I think I think we'll get some very good chances. I hope so. Um, and I think we just need to do more of the same because 
you can't take the foot off the gas. Um, and I know we, we have actually, I'll sort of revise my previous statement. We have on several occasions kind of eased up, though I would say less, less in like two-legged ties and more halftime, for example, coming into the half or getting a lead in a game in the Premier League and then sort of easing off and letting the other team back into it. I think we just have to come out and kill the game, but I'm very happy going in. Who wouldn't be? Yeah, absolutely. Fair statement there. Rahul, one thing that's come out, not just for this game, but the round of 16, and we knew about this a little bit early on, of course, is Tuchel himself was part of the coaching staff and Chelsea as a club was part of the voting that went into the away goal rule being removed. And so now we go into Lille and 2-0 is 2-0. If they score two goals, we're going into extra time. There's nothing fancy about this at this point in time. Uh, are you a fan of this away goal rule going? Are you excited with the 2-0 lead? Do you think we needed a goal more like Alex has alluded to? What are your thoughts on this whole away goal thing going away? I mean, I didn't think it was something that needed to be changed, but it's changed and you can see that it's, at least in this case, in our game, didn't alter the way Lille came out to play. Didn't, they didn't say, okay, well, we'll just play for a draw. They came out to really come out and, and get a goal, maybe a result here. Uh, and that allowed us to do what we we can do in, in terms of scoring and, and, and influencing the game. So from that perspective, I, I think it was good. Uh, and like you said, when we go away, we still have to get at least one goal to say, okay, Lille, now you have to score at least three times or four to, to win this game outright, which is pretty difficult. I'm not saying it can't happen. Uh, so from what I've seen, at least in our case, I think it's been good. In other situations, teams have defended and, and try to get a result, which will always happen. So uh, a change that we, we take on board and, and hopefully it'll provide some great memories like the away goals did. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully that's the case and we can go in in the next few weeks here and move on to the next round in the Champions League. We'd love another Champions League night to continue from there. Before we wrap up on the whole Lille game here, I want to talk about one player, and Alex, I'll come back to you. For our listeners that tune in week in, week out, one of the things we do before we start this podcast, we have a little discussion on some topics we want to cover. And one of the topics that got thrown out into the, the field today was Thiago Silva. And Alex, I think we've had a lot of praise for this guy. He's 37 years old, but I'm going to say 17 years young. He just continues to roll on and roll on and roll on. And one of the things I've noticed that he Tuka will pick him week in, week out, almost like he's the first name of the, on the team sheet. And he doesn't show any sign of age, tiredness. Uh, he doesn't complain, no frustration. He plays in the back four, back three. I've praised him enough now. What more can you say about Thiago Silva? He's, he's certainly just something else. And what a signing that was. I've got to give full credit to the board and to Lampard, I believe, who who sort of gave the call at the last second. Maybe it was a little late for Lampard to reap the full rewards of right. uh, Thiago Silva's experience, but you've just got to say what a, what a player. And I think Tuchel clearly uh, was, was more than happy to take his, his, I believe he was the PSG captain um, straight from Paris and, and bring a player who's got absurd talent as we've seen and fantastic leadership skills um, both by example and sort of directing other players where to go um, just sort of filling in with his knowledge of the game. It's incredible how he's, how he's developed over time. And he is the perfect definition of aging like fine wine in that you just, as you mentioned, don't see the limitations to his game that you might expect from someone who's 
slowing down a little bit in terms of, of physical speed, perhaps, but mentally his time and his experience and his reading of the game and his knowledge of how to handle certain situations, it's, it's just otherworldly. And you've, you've got to say he is, he has undoubtedly really solidified his presence as, as one of the defenders of the decade, and he's still adding to his legacy. So I think it's the perfect example of why maybe something I'm a little guilty of, and I think many people are guilty of, um, maybe somewhat uh, FIFA-inspired, the idea that when a player hits 30, I think we tend to view 30 years old as sort of the turning point of whether a player's old or not. Um, I know Chelsea actually has that sort of in their in their contract agreements where you can only give, I believe, one-year extensions right. to players player 30 years and older. Um, but Thiago Silva is the perfect counterpoint to that because he's shown that at least, I mean, maybe not for forwards, but in a position where it's a little more about intelligence and positioning uh, as opposed to speed, he is right up there, world-class, top five center backs in the world, no doubt, in my opinion. Um, I'd give him top three. That's me. I'm biased. Uh, but w- what a player. Look, Alex, I'm glad you brought up the 30 and over statement because, Rahul, I'm going to come to you with that question. That was something that's been floating in my mind. For as long as I can remember, when a player t- turned to the age of 30 or was getting close to the age of 30, Chelsea tended to say, we only do one-year contract extensions. But Chelsea went to pick up a 35-year-old with a two-year contract and then said there's an option for a third. That alone must send a message, not only to Thiago Silva, but to that caliber of player that Chelsea isn't just giving one-year extensions for anybody over 30. We're making sure you have the quality and we will give you that extension and we'll give you that option. And I mean, Alex has done an excellent job of saying, you know, Thiago Silva is up there in the top three. But what does it say about Chelsea's potential to pick up a player that potentially could have gone off and played in a different league, China, maybe America, and made a lot more bank, but said, hey, you're still at the top of the game. Come in here and pick up a Champions League with us. Alex said, I think that goes credit to the board, to to, to Lampard, even Petr Cech, if he was involved uh, in for them to convince the board and, and, and the club to say, no, we got to give him this deal and get, give him the option of a second and a third. Uh, and every time he's come up it's closer to January and his deal is about to expire, we give him a new one because he's <laughs> earned it. He shows us that he uh, age is just a number for him. We always say age is just a number, but he shows it on the field. Right. Uh, and just a week ago, we were saying, I don't think he's going to play the Crystal Palace game. He plays that. He plays Lille hopefully he'll be playing this weekend which shows you that he's not someone that needs to be rested and he needs a week to recover he does everything that needs to be done on the pitch I'm sure he recovers the same night he goes into a cold bath an ice bath or whatever is needed to get himself ready for the next day Uh, and it's a funny quote I read from I think it was Joe Cole that said it wasn't about Silver; it's more about Ronaldo that he said every time we came back or he's heard every time he's come back from a away trip in the Champions League, 2, 3, 4 a.m., Ronaldo goes in straight to recovery. And, and you see that he's, I think Ronaldo himself is 36, 37, and he's at the top level. Similar to Silva, he's at the top level and is showing no signs of slowing down. And, and that's what we want. A, he's proving to the defenders around him that you can continue playing as long as you take care of yourself and perform on the pitch. And, and he's doing it, and, and we're very happy that PSG let him go. Uh, I think that also lit a little bit of fire under his belly, not that he needed it, to prove that I can do it in the best league, 
uh, with one of the best teams in the world that's already won the Champions League, and I'll go win them another one and hopefully a third one in, in Paris this season. Yeah, look, I don't want to get out of myself, but if he does get a third one for us, look, that would be amazing. But Rahul, I'll stick with you for a minute. A couple of topics to wrap up here. Mendy, clean sheet. Maybe you can give us a quick word on that and then just drive us into the Chelsea women because I think we need to talk about them for a minute. Yeah, I mean, Mendy, clean sheet kind of go hand in hand. But in this case, uh, it was his first clean sheet against Lille, a team he has faced multiple times in France. Uh, but it takes him to move to England and face them in the Champions League and, and get that. So just a little bit of history created there for himself. I'm sure he's not worried about it, uh, but he'll be happy with the second one in a, in a few weeks here. Yeah, absolutely. Take us through the Chelsea women now, because I think we spent enough time on Lyon. Yes. So the Chelsea women are back. We had said a, a few weeks ago they were on international break. Uh, so they're back and they're back in the FA Cup, which resumes with a visit from Leicester City to the Kings Meadow. Uh, so we just wanted to cover that and, and let our uh, listeners know that they will be playing on Saturday morning here in the U.S. at 8 a.m. Uh, so tune in. I believe it should be uh, on TV. And if not, you can definitely uh, catch it, catch the uh, reports and updates on the Chelsea website. So wishing them the best and hopefully they can continue defending that trophy that they just won back in December from last season. Yeah, and look, we, we always talk about trophies, I think, on both sides of the fence, if we can continue down this trophy path. That's going to be exciting. And speaking of trophies, guys, Chelsea are in line to potentially win another one on Sunday. That's the Chelsea men's group. We're playing the Carabao Cup final against our friendly neighborhood Liverpool friends here. Uh, Before we get into the whole detail of it, Rahul, I think you've prepared a fun little competition for Alex and I to go through. And for anybody listening, Rahul does not send the questions to us at a time. We have no idea what's coming. It really is a, a competition for us here. So Carabao Cup, Chelsea versus Liverpool. Or Carabao Cup, Alex versus Jackie. There you go. <laughs> um, but it's, I mean, we've done this before multiple times. It's a bunch of questions here. I have five each, actually. Uh, I'll give you three options. You select the answer, uh, and we'll pick a winner. Uh, so, Alex, I'll start with you. Alex is shaking his head. He he came pretty got, close in the last one. <laughs> I've got a bad, I'm not sure I've, I've brushed up on my Carabao <laughs> Cup history, so i got a bad feeling. <laughs> It's a, it's a mix of just not the Carabao Cup, but also Chelsea and Liverpool and, and the history there. So let's start. Earlier this season, we faced Liverpool at Anfield in the Premier League. Uh, who scored for Liverpool after Reese James was sent off controversially? Well, and we won't get into that, but uh, Liverpool tied the game up from the spot. Was it Fabinho, Henderson, or Mo Salah? Uh, that was Mo Salah. That is correct. Mosella tied it up 1-1. We were down to 10 men uh, and played the rest of the second or rest of the game, the second half with 10 men and, and came away with a draw. All right, Jackie. The most recent match between Chelsea and Liverpool at Wembley was the 2012 FA Cup final. You may, you may remember Di Matteo had come in. We made it to the final. Which two players scored for Chelsea? Was it Drogba and Mata? Drogba and Ramirez or Drogba and Lampard? So you'll notice a theme here. Drogba stays constant. You just have to pick another player that you think may have scored. I'm chuckling because I was like trying to remember the 2012, but that's the same season we won the Champions League, I believe, that is right? right? So my mind's been there. <laughs> I'm not remembering the FA Cup at all. Um, I'm going to go for Drogba and Mata. That is incorrect. It was Drogba and Ramirez. Ramirez opened the scoring and Drogba made it 2 uh, before Andy Carroll made it 2-1 and, and we saw the game out. So 
Uh, Alex has the lead here. Alex, that's a, a good start here for you. Uh, but yeah. coming, coming to you for the second question, Alex, uh, in this season's competition in the Carabao Cup, who was the first team Chelsea faced back in September? So we opened the Carabao Cup season facing this team. Was it Aston Villa, Brentford, or Southampton? Oh, wow. I, <laughs> I, I totally should know that. Um, I feel like it was Southampton. But that... it, yeah, <laughs> no, it, no, it's not. I'm, I'm, <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. We'll tie us up. <laughs> it was actually Aston Villa. Uh, Southampton was, was later nice on, later on in the season, but Aston Villa... Uh, was the first team we faced at the bridge this season. So, Jackie, you have the opportunity to tie it up here. Uh, seems like a penalty shootout. I know. Uh, who is Chelsea's top goal scorer in this season's Carabao Cup? Is it Timo Werner, Jorginho, or Kai Havertz? These are actually pretty good questions because they're actually getting my mind to think <laughs> and go through the whole process. I honestly don't know the answer to this one, so I'm just going to take a shot in the dark. I'm going to go for Timo Werner. Timo Werner scored a first goal in this competition, but it's Kai Havertz who has two. <sighs> so, Alex, you're still in the lead. Uh, hopefully, you can build on that here with the third question. So, which three players? We made the final back in 2019 against Man City. It ended nil-nil after extra time. You may remember towards the end of that game, we had the whole Kepa incident. We went into the penalty shootout. Which three Chelsea players scored for Chelsea? It ended 4-3. Uh, so, three players scored for Chelsea. Was it Aspilicueta, Emerson, and Hazard? Jorginho, Aspilicueta, and Hazard? David Luiz, Emerson, and Hazard. So similar to Jackie, you have a team here. Hazard stays constant. You just have to pick two other players that made it. Yeah, I, I couldn't forget Hazard's uh, little Panenka. That's right. That was, that was a fantastic <laughs> penalty. I'm going to go with option one, Aspilicueta, Emerson, and Hazard. And that is correct. So uh, Jorginho stepped up first. He missed. Aspi came up second. He scored. Emerson scored. David Luiz missed the fourth one, and then Hazard uh, scored the fifth one. But that wasn't enough because uh, even though Kepa had saved uh, Leroy Sané's uh, effort, Sterling converted the fifth and, and final penalty to make it 4-3. So it's 2-1 to Alex. Uh, Jackie, in 2005, we played Liverpool in the final of this competition. Uh, I'm sure you remember it. Uh, Jose Mourinho's first season, first trophy that he was competing for. Uh, Chelsea ended up winning 3-2. Who scored Chelsea's third goal? What is, was it Matea Cashman, Didier Drogba, or Stevie, uh, Steven Gerrard on goal? Matea Cashman. That is correct. He scored yes. in the 112th <laughs> minute uh, to make it 3-1 before Liverpool got a second to make it a nervy finish, but we went on to win that. Uh, trophy first under Jose Mourinho and, and first of many. So uh, it is now Alex's 2-1 up, I believe. Yeah. All right, Alex, here is your fourth question. How many goals have Chelsea scored in this season's Carabao Cup? Is it 6, 7, or 11? Um, We've played gonna... five games. Yeah. Hopefully that gives you a hint. <laughs> Uh, I, would, I would assume it's not six. Uh, yeah, I would assume it's not six. I'm going to, 
I, I can't, I'm trying to remember if we if we ever <laughs> solidly slapped a team or not. If um, you count what we did to Spurs and at the home leg, that, I'm that, going. I'm, I'm going with six. It uh, is seven. Seven is what I meant. It is, I, it I, is. Okay. <laughs> let, the, let, let the record show. I eliminated six first. You yeah. I meant to go for the middle option. I, 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 I was wondering why you said six after you said no to six. So seven yeah. is correct. Yeah. Uh, we scored one against Villa, one against uh, Southampton. Both games are won on a penalty shootout. Uh, then we scored two against uh, Brentford, and then we scored against two against uh, Spurs and one against uh, Spurs in the away leg. So that makes it seven. So Alex goes three, one up. Jackie, uh, you really need to, need to get this point. one or, or it's over. So we spoke about the goals scored. Let's talk about the goals conceded. How many goals have Chelsea conceded in this season's Carabao Cup? Is it one, two, or three? And I actually ran through it in, in Alex's review question. So funny I was paying attention. It's <laughs> very, very helpful here. I think I think it's two. That is correct. We conceded against Villa in the first game yeah. and then Southampton. So two is correct. Alex, you can seal this uh, quiz with this with this question. So Chelsea have won the EFL Cup, Carabao Cup, Carling Cup, whatever you want to call it, in their history, how many times? Is it eight times, seven times, or five times? It's mm. a tough one. I We've definitely, eight, seven, or five. We've definitely won it quite a bit, but I'm trying to think. Ah, uh, I'm trying to. So the ones I remember, I'm so, gonna have. So you know, we won against uh, the first one with Mourinho. So that's one already. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go with five, maybe. Is that the fi- final on. answer? Yeah, it, it is. I, I don't want to cheat. It's probably the middle <laughs> answer. Five, five times is correct. We won it uh, in 1964-65. I 90, did it. 97-98, <laughs> under Mourinho. Again in 2006-2007 under Mourinho. And then finally in 2014-15 season, again under Mourinho. So that makes it wow. five times. And this Alex... Feels like- <laughs> this feels like when, when Rudiger takes one of his shots from half, like, <laughs> halfway mark and it finally goes in. That's, that's the feeling right now. So Alex has actually won it, but Jackie, I will give you your final question just so that we can we can talk about it. So how many times has Liverpool won the EFL Cup? Is it 10 times, 9 times, or 8 times? Liverpool of the 70s was very, very successful, I would imagine. So I'm going to go with 9 times, and hopefully that's the right answer. The right answer is 8 times, and hopefully they don't see a ninth time. <laughs> uh, but they said joint top with City, uh, eight wins in this competition. So they could go clear uh, by winning it this time around. But uh, hopefully we won't do that and we can actually claim a sixth uh, Carabao Cup trophy. So Alex wins it, guys. Congratulations, Alex. Uh, I think this is the first time in in the history of the TPC (laughs) quiz that you won it. So uh, maybe we'll send you a little trophy or something. But let's get into the game. Uh, And Jackie, I'll, I'll hand it back over to you. Yeah, before that, Alex, congratulations. It was a thorough spanking in this particular game. So I admit (laughs) defeat fully. Rahul, thanks for hosting that. That was a lot of fun and very good questions overall. But let's get back into the details. I think we'll get into the game. 
team news, everyone's fit. We actually have the full team back. Even Reese James is back in training, guys. I know you guys have been screaming for our wingbacks, but Ben Chilwell is still going to be out, like we all know, with a, a long-term injury. So let's get into the lineup discussion, guys, before we fully vet this out. Alex, I'll come to you. Goalkeeper, you going with Kepa for the final, or are you going with Mendy in goal? So as as I'm sure most listeners and you guys know, I'm quite a big Kepa fan, and I've been singing his praises this season. Um, but I think personally, it it should probably be Mendy. I think that's no fault of Kepa's. I think he's performed brilliantly every time he's been asked to. Um, he was great uh, both in Mendy's absence and in these these cup competitions where he's gotten um, opportunities. But I think. Tuchel made a statement when he played Mendy for the Club World Cup final saying, you know what, Kepa's been playing very well, but you're our number one. You're coming right back into the lineup. Mendy performed nicely. And I think I think it's just not really disputable at this point in time. Kepa's only, only real fault is being at Chelsea where you have arguably the best goalkeeper in the world, definitely a top three goalkeeper in the world ahead of him in the in the roster. So no fault of Kepa's, but it's got to be Mendy for me. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to agree with that. Rahul, let's go to the front line. It's going to be a controversial one. Do you bring Lukaku back into the starting lineup? Or do you stick with Kai Havertz? If we're playing three up front, I would go with Kai Havertz as the central figure. Uh, but like I was telling you guys before we started, I have a feeling they both start, Lukaku and Kai, Um just simply because of Liverpool's high line, Lukaku has the ability, not saying he will use it, but if he does, he has the ability to run in behind and provide us the option of using his pace along with maybe a Pulisic and, and uh, Kai Havertz to exploit that. So if I was to pick one, I would go with Kai, but I have a feeling it might be both and hopefully no Liverpool coaching staff is hearing me because they may prepare for that. But jokes aside, if, if I was to pick one, I would go with Kai. Okay, I think I'm happy with that. Right wing back is up for debate. Reese James has just come back into training, but Alex, do you rush him into this game? Do you let him sit out on the bench? Do you not let him feature and let him recover slowly because there are other games to come? What do you pick on your right wing back? I think that clearly a fully fit Reese James is, is absolutely the number one pick. Unfortunately, he's just come back. And I think I, think I saw a Tuchel quote saying he wasn't even sure exactly who he would start. I don't know if that's mind games. I don't know if that's, I mean, maybe he has an idea, but it's certainly a tough one. You don't want, I mean, the last thing you want is for Reese James to aggravate his injury at all, or for him to just not quite be match fit um, and have a tough return. But we know how good he is and what he can offer both defensively and offensively. For me, I, I say this is this is a massive test, but you throw him right back into the lineup. I'm personally going with Reese James. I'm not sure that's what's going to happen. I mean, only only Tuchel and Reese James know how he's been performing in training and how ready he feels. Um, but for me, you just got to have your best players out there uh, for a cup final. Um, so Reese James. Okay, I'll accept that. Rahul, I'll go through the predicted 11 and then ask you one more question. So we've discussed Mendy and Goal. I think a back three of Christian Santiago and Rudiger. Right wing back, Alex has said Reese has to start this game if he can. So Reese is coming in there. Midfield of Kante and Kovacic. I'm going to skip left wing back. So think on that one for a second. And then a front three of Hakim Ziyech, who we've already talked about and praised as nailing down the spot. 
Christian Pulisic on the left wing, nailing down that spot, and then Kai Havertz leading the line. Now, look, there's some key names there. Mason Mount could come in around the fold, but I want to ask you about our left wing back position. Before this started, you had talked about Tuchel potentially not being happy with Alonso. We'd seen that under Lampard as well, specifically around defense. Who do you play at left wing back for this massive game? It, it's a tough question. And if Reese plays right wing back, which I'd love to see him, but I, I, I may have to disagree with Alex. I think it comes a little bit too soon, especially in the final, especially against Liverpool. Uh, but again, we don't know. Maybe Reese has been ready to go for a week now and then he's just been held back. So uh, we'll see. But if Reese plays right wing back and we need someone to fill in on the left and it's not Alonso, and it's someone that needs to go up against Mo Salah, but also provide a little bit of attack. I, I'm going to throw in a name here, Espelicueta. Uh Alonso is an option. Hudson Doy is an option. But you know what you get from Aspie. It's, it's 100% commitment, 100% passion, determination. So he's going to help out on both sides. And, and if Reese is playing, then Aspie has to play on the other side. Okay, it's a good shout. We haven't seen him much at the left wing back position and the Tuchel, cool, but... Again, like you've, you've said, he's probably going to be a good fit if we need that defense and that attacking ability from him. But I'll talk about who needs to get the win overall. Um, Rahul, I'll stick with you first really quickly. Do Chelsea really, really need this win? Do Liverpool really, really need this win? Look, it's a final. I'm sure both of them want it. But what are your thoughts on this? I mean, as a Chelsea fan, I, I want to win it. Uh, of course, it wasn't one of the trophies at the top of the list at the start of the season. But it's a final. It's a final against Liverpool. It's a final for Tuchel to maybe correct the the failings from the FA Cup at Wembley last season, uh, become the first German manager to win it. Not that he's he's counting on that, but uh, there's there's a few things that we need in our favor. We haven't had the best of times the last couple of months, especially December. Uh, we've had the luck in this competition with the two penalty shootouts that we had. Uh, we did well against Spurs, so. As a Chelsea fan, I want it. If we don't get it, is it the end of the world? No. Uh, but then you look at the Liverpool side, and Jurgen Klopp's been here six years now, maybe seven. Hasn't won a domestic trophy apart from the Premier League, and, and Liverpool fans are not discrediting the Premier League trophy. But for how long he's been here, for everything that is said about Liverpool and how great they are, they are lacking trophies in terms of numbers. If you think about it, it's the Premier League and the Champions League. Tuchel's already achieved more number of trophies in the last period of time. So from that perspective, you'd say Klopp needs it a little more just to add to those numbers. But he's also focused on the Premier League title that's opened up. So, And that's something we're not going to win. So I'd rather have this one over Liverpool and say we need it more. It's a fair analysis. Alex, I'll ask the question this way. For many years, the Carabao Cup has been called the Mickey Mouse Cup. It's not that important. A lot of clubs play their second team. But here we are. We're in another final. It's another chance to lift silverware. It's another chance to add to the trophy cabinet. Do you want this trophy? Are you excited to get this trophy? Totally. I think, I think that's what Chelsea's all about. And I think at the end of the day, as Rahul mentioned, I don't think we're winning the Premier League. I'd love to pretend we're still in the title race, but I'm not even going to <laughs> think about that unless Manchester City and Liverpool both slip up in a couple games consecutively, um, which is difficult to foresee happening. Um, now, City do play Liverpool in the near-ish future, um, but I think 
we're better focusing on the non-league competitions. And for me, not only do Chelsea need this in terms of, of the silverware, I think the confidence would be extra key um, because Liverpool at this point are still very much in the title race. They can very much focus their efforts there. I think Chelsea are the ones who can't afford to slip up because Chelsea are, I won't say in danger. I think we have the quality to finish out uh, in a Champions League spot, um, but certainly we are we are not sitting fully comfortably or, or clear uh, in the top four. We're absolutely going to have to keep performing right through the end of the season. We know that. There are a lot of teams hungry on our tail. Um, so for me, I think, I mean, honestly, maybe Chelsea need it more from a confidence standpoint and Liverpool need it more from a silverware standpoint, just because Chelsea's coming off such a successful season um, and even having won a trophy already this year. Um, so I, I would say, obviously, everyone wants to win it, but Chelsea might more need it for their current and future form. And Liverpool really just need to get their hands on more trophies during this sort of golden era under Klopp. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a fair statement. I'll say this for all those who have called it a Mickey Mouse Cup. I'll take the Mickey Mouse Cup all day over the so-called Audi Cup that our friends have won across the street. But Rahul, I'll come back to you. Uh, I want to go through score predictions as well. Can you give me a, a score line that you think this game is going to end up with? It's going to be, so I was watching the highlights from the first time we played them in 2005, and that was an exciting game. And I think that it's was a wild be, game. This is going to be an exciting and wild game too, because from the two games we've had this season with them, they've been back and forth, back and forth. No team really wants to lose it, but both want to win it, which is exciting because they both try to go out at each other. And, and that game at the bridge had it all. We went two down, we stormed back, we almost won it. So I think it's going to have the similar feel. And if we get the first goal, which I'm going to be praying between now and then that we do, I think we go on and win it 3-2, but it's not going to be comfortable. So uh, a 3-2 win on the February 27th, same day as the 2005 final, we won it 3-2. Uh, maybe some, some superstitions here in my mind, but I'd just like to throw it out there and let the universe work on it. Look, we like those kind of superstitions. If that works and we win another trophy, I'll take it all day long. Alex, what about you? What's your prediction? Uh, I think definitely I'm predicting a Chelsea win. I have to, obviously, but I do actually think we can do it, um, especially given that we have so many options now available. I was a little worried about fitness with those injuries uh, in our most recent match, but Luckily, with them not looking serious, I think with a fully fit squad, we can fully take the fight to Liverpool. And we saw earlier this season that that 2-2 draw that I think we, we played better in. We had some lapses at the beginning and then really fought back and took the fight to Liverpool. Um, I think Chelsea can come away with this one. I'm going 2-1 to Chelsea. It's always tough to keep a clean sheet. Um, extra tough to keep a clean sheet uh, against a team that has a well-known... Um, well, someone who could maybe qualify for the Olympic sport of diving uh, <laughs> as a striker. Now, full full respect to Mohamed Salah. Uh, he is he is he is top class, and whether he gets it through penalties, um, which he does frequently, or or just a, a brilliant goal, I think he almost always has a goal in him. So I, I find it tough to to see us keeping a clean sheet against an attack that talented. But I think we can see it out. Uh, I'm going two one. Okay, two one's good. I'm going to split you guys right down the middle. Uh, at the risk of being humiliated online, 
I'm going for a 2-2 draw in normal time. I think it's going to be cagey. I think it's going to be tight. We've seen the 2-2 draw already this season. But for the Chelsea fans out there and for the neutrals, I have good news. We take this all the way past extra time. We go into penalties. Kappa comes back on to redeem himself. Oh. And now we're winning this thing on penalties. And Kepa's involved very heavily, guys. I think that's oh, gonna make maybe. it's gonna make for a lovely moment for Kepa to come back into this situation. That might that might break me if I <laughs> if Kepa comes on and wins this trophy on penalties, <laughs> I might I might not sleep for a week. <laughs> the amount of Kepa, I mean. No, I, I can't. I'm not. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to start <laughs> wishing for Polisic goals and all that and, and the final on top of it. But okay, okay, I'm going to say it. If Polisic <laughs> scores and Kepa comes in and saves a penalty to win us this game, I might just like retire because that's like that's my life is complete. Every well, take of mine has been proved correct in that in that statement. I'll say this. I hope you don't retire. I hope you do get this happening for us because I think it's going to make for an exciting game Sunday. Uh, I think these predictions are great, guys. At the end of the day, we're all going to end up hoping for a win, and hopefully we get that win so we have something to celebrate. But Rahul, why don't you take us through your final comments and then take us home? Yeah, I mean, listen, it's going to be a fun day, and hopefully it ends in a positive way for us. Uh, But uh, two players that can complete the lot, as they say, win it all for the club. Espelicueta just did it uh, about a week or so ago. N'Golo Kante and Alonso can do the same by winning the trophy here. So uh, for their perspective and for, for them, uh, it would be great to, to give them that uh, achievement uh, at this club. So wins all around predicted here, and it should be good. And, and um, I'm sure we'll be messaging and, and sharing our, our thoughts uh, during the game. And I know Alex will have some stories up uh of the game hopefully um and if he if we win it the way he said and he's not going to be sleeping for a week so we we may not have him on the next episode but for this episode it wraps it up uh, episode 98 is in the books thank you very much for listening please continue to subscribe like and follow us it's at the premier chills apple spotify google uh, youtube and instagram and on twitter it's at premier chills and as always send us your feedback and we will be back with a new episode but until then stay safe and up the chills